Good afternoon and welcome to the Thursday edition of the Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. Coming up this afternoon, we'll talk about the opening of G3's new Vancouver Export Terminal. And up first, Anastasia Kubinek with Manitoba Agriculture will stop by to give us an update on this year's Crop Diagnostic School. The latest farm news and market numbers all coming up over the next 60 minutes. The time now is 12 o'clock. Here's a look at our local news. Good afternoon, you're listening to the Manitoba Farm Journal. This is the time of year that Manitoba Agriculture normally hosts its Crop Diagnostic School in Carmen. Anastasia Kubinek joins us to talk about the format this year. Besides the fact that we're not outside, it's actually very similar. Um, we do still have the six sections that we cover off, our main cores being weeds, insects, diseases, uh, crop nutrition and soils. And then with our two kind of uh, commodity-focused ones, we have a cereal section and a pulse section this year. So that's pretty much the same lessons that they would people would have received in the field are the same as they are actually getting online now. We still have people in the field doing things, um, but it's all recorded. So instead of folks having to worry about getting a sunburn, they can watch at their leisure at home. And it's not where you have to go through all the content in one day, how we've set it up this year. People actually have a month once they get in. It opened today, which was July the 7th, and it closes August the 7th. So people could do um, an entire section for the day and then maybe do another section another day. Of course, they can watch everything in one day, um, but it's, it's kind of up to them to guide in the time that they have. And of course, this is due to the fact that uh, we just couldn't have the number of people that we typically would have at the crop diagnostic school and ensure that we have the social distancing that's required. Talk a little bit about the site there at Carmen with COVID-19. A lot of our plots are still being grown at the University of Manitoba Farm. Um, with the way that we have it structured this year, it actually gave us an opportunity to go out and do some field calls and actually record some of the things that we're seeing in the field, which is good. Um, when we do have the crop diagnostic school in person, Folks would be presenting in the morning or presenting in the afternoon, depending on what the schedule was, and then rushing around trying to get samples from fields or trying to get people to bring samples in so that they had some of those field samples with them. This year, uh, staff was able to go out and they were, at, were able to be in the field and say, look, this is what we're seeing in the field. These are some of the calls that we're getting. Um, we actually had some staff go to an iron deficiency chlorosis trial for soybeans to actually show the differentiation between some varieties and what really causes iron uh, deficiency chlorosis. We have some unique things where we actually have people going into our crop diagnostic lab in Winnipeg and we have the samples from the field, what symptoms are in the field and then how things are being diagnosed in the lab. So a bit of a different look on how we do do diagnosis but I think it will give farmers and agronomists and people within industry uh, maybe some different tools that they hadn't thought of and we really couldn't show when we were doing it in the field. Are there any other uh, concerns or, or topics uh, this year that, um, you know, you think growers might be interested in? Um, we're also looking at aphanomyces. That's one of our lessons that we do have this year. Um, some of our other lessons that we have, uh, definitely water hemp has been popular, herbicide-resistant weeds and how to diagnose those when you're out in the field. Um we do have a specific section looking at how to terminate a cover crop if you're using that as one of your strategies for soil management and termination and then seeding uh, crops right into it and how to do that. We have multiple sections for insects, um, all the different families, 
many of the insects that we're seeing out in the field right now, both beneficial and the pests. So it's a really good reminder and something that I think folks in this next month could probably watch again and again. That was Anastasia Kubinek with Manitoba Agriculture talking about this year's Crop Diagnostic School, which is going totally virtual. A look at what's happening in the markets this afternoon is coming up. Good afternoon, I'm Corey Canute. G3 has announced the opening of its new grain export terminal at the Port of Vancouver. Brett Malkowski is the company's Vice President of Business Development. We've been loading test vessels and unloading trains, etc. out of the facility, um, you know, working those last kinks out like any major mega project. There's there's always a punch list and, and things to take care of. So we've been working that. We still have a little bit of work to do, but effective today, we're, we're fully commercial. Last month, G3 also announced the opening of two new elevators in Alberta. Manitoba Agriculture says army worms are being found at high levels in many cereal and forage grass fields. There are also high levels of grasshoppers. The province says the hot, humid conditions are prime for disease development. For weeds, most second-pass herbicides have been applied and the window is closing rapidly for post-emergent herbicide applications. And Dairy Farmers of Canada is reminding Canadians about the negative impacts of the Canada-U.S.-Mexico agreement, which came into effect July 1st. Here's Vice President David Weens. The Canadian government gave 3.9% market access, domestic market access to the U.S. So that'll be uh, filled by American dairy products. So that's a significant loss for the industry. And uh, according to our calculations, that'll be a loss of revenue of about $330 million. Ween says the deal also gave the U.S. the ability to intervene in any kind of administrative changes that Canada would make to our domestic system. That was a look at today's farm news. I'm Corey Canute. Good afternoon and welcome to the Prairie Eggwire for Thursday, July 9th. I'm Corey Canute. Coming up today, Glendalee Allen Vosser will have details on the Canadian Cattlemen's Association's Young Leaders Mentorship Program. Up first, we'll talk about the opening of G3's new Vancouver Export Terminal. G3's new grain export terminal at the Port of Vancouver is now fully commercial. Brett Malkowski is the company's Vice President of Business Development. State-of-the-art, uh, world-class facility, um, 180,000 tons of static storage capacity on site, a uh, loop rail system that I think um, some of your listeners will be familiar with uh, from some of our country sites, um, capable of holding 350-car unit trains at once. Uh, we can unload one of those unit trains in under eight hours, keep it fully intact, moving all the time, and send it back to the country. And then, uh, you know, our outbound loading capacity is also world-class, 6,500 metric tons per hour onto the vessel and, uh, you know, off and away to destination markets. So um, we're, we've built something in Vancouver that we're, we're really excited by and very, very proud of. Now, the facility, it has been in operation now for, for a few months now? Yeah, we would call it um, the pre-commercial uh, phase. So we've been loading test vessels and unloading trains, et cetera, out of the facility, um, you know, working those uh, last kinks out like any major mega project. There's, there's always a punch list and, and things to take care of. So uh, we've been working that. We still have a little bit of work to do, but effective today, we're, we're fully commercial. What's this going to mean for um, Canadian farmers? Well, a couple of things. I mean, increased access is the most obvious one. 
Um, but it really, in our minds, de-bottlenecks the Canadian West Coast. Um, the existing facilities, as, as many would know, operate at or near capacity most of the time. Uh, this additional capacity was needed for the industry, um, and it presents a new level of efficiency, as I said, that Canadian farmers will benefit by. Uh, more opportunity to sell, uh, you know, more consistently at the G3 facilities, and, of course, uh, the speed and efficiency that those facilities are known for as well. COVID-19, um, what impact has that had on, on your operations? To say it's had no impact would be slightly misleading. I mean, we've been uh, pretty much business as usual. It slowed us down on a couple of construction efforts, including the one in Vancouver. Um, but ultimately, you know, our staff have worked through it. We've maintained, you know, proper physical distancing and continue to do so. And you know, kept everybody safe. So that's been our focus in addition to completing construction. Um, you know, the only other major impact it's going to have is that we can't have a, a grand opening to celebrate this event on the site, unfortunately, just because of, uh, of the environment uh, that COVID presents. So we'll keep everyone safe and continue to do so. And um, would ask your listeners to please, when they're visiting G3 sites, continue to adhere to... Um, you know, our uh, our physical distancing protocols that we have in place. Towards the end of June, G3 also announced the opening of uh, a pair of eleva- uh, elevators in Alberta. Talk about those. Yeah, uh, very similar to the ones you find in Manitoba and Saskatchewan. Uh, loop track facilities, 150 car train, loads in continuous motion, um, you know, can complete that load in in hours rather than a day. Um, so it's, it's very quick back and forth to Vancouver. Um, and again, the very fast drive sheds, so you can you can dump a Super B in under five minutes and, and get on with your day. Um, so, I mean, this is, you're starting to see that, that vision, that coast-to-coast vision that G3 has um, really come to life here. That was Brett Malkowski with G3 talking about the company's new grain export terminal, which is now open at the Port of Vancouver. Continuing on today's Prairie Egg Wire, Glendalee Allen Vossler chats with Jessica Giles from the Canadian Cattlemen's Association about the Young Leaders Mentorship Program. Jessica, to start with, let's maybe remind our listeners about the Canadian Cattlemen's Association Young Leaders Mentorship Program, if you will. For sure. So the Cattlemen's Young Leaders Program, or as we like to call it, the CYL Program, It's been running for 10 years now, and uh, what it does, it's a national youth initiative where it takes 16 participants each year, and ages 18 to 35 from across Canada, and it pairs them with a mentor in their specific area of interest in the beef industry. And um, in addition to being paired with a mentor to kind of help build their career path and where they'd like to go, uh, there's also numerous networking, uh, travel opportunities, attending different conferences, and events. So overall, we see a wide range of interest of mentorships in this program, whether it's focused on production, um, policy, advocacy work. There's some numerous different areas, which is exciting, but uh, that's kind of an overview of the program, and we're excited uh, to be celebrating the 10th anniversary of it, actually, this year. Now, if somebody is interested in applying for the program, what do they need to know? So the applications open each year from January through March, 
And it's a written application form on our website, uh, cattlemansyoungleaders.com. And from there, it's some different essay questions that you submit. And then we go through the judging process with a judging panel, and they narrow down those written applications to 24 semifinalists. And from those 24 semifinalists, they then compete in a, a selections competition, and then that gets narrowed down to our 16 participants every year. And, of course, this is open to participants 18 to 35. Now, when we take a look at the 2019 program, due to the impact of COVID, you've decided to extend their programming year? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. So just because we saw uh, many travel networking opportunities, uh, opportunities for our participants, you know, to go visit their mentors and meet up to them face-to-face, which is some important time for them. Uh, we decided that instead of the 2019 group that started the program uh, last August and was set to graduate in the program this summer, August, uh, we've decided to extend their year in the program just to give them some opportunity to take in some more of those events and uh, networking that got traveled and get out to some industry conferences as well as that's just uh, such a huge opportunity for them to meet with some different industry stakeholders and peer networking opportunities as well. So I guess what that looks like is as well as extending that program year, it means that while we're taking in a new crop of applications this year, there's going to be kind of two CYL groups. We're going to have a large group for next year. So the 29 team participants will still be in and we'll have those 2020 uh, participants coming in here soon this summer. I've been talking with Jessica Giles. Jessica is the Youth Leadership Coordinator with the Canadian Cattlemen's Association for Golden West. I'm Glendalee Allen Bossler. Thanks, Glendalee. That's it for the Prairie Eggwire for today. If you have any questions or opinions to share, send them to us by email thefarmdesk at goldenwestradio.com. On behalf of Glenda Lee Allen Vossler, I'm Corey Canute. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. The Prairie Aguire will return tomorrow on the Golden West Farm Network. Time now for a look at the farm calendar. A farmer appreciation lunch takes place Tuesday, July 14th at the Plum Cooley Bergtaller Church parking lot. A drive through lunch will be served from 1130 until 1 featuring Danny's Whole Hog. The official Manitoba Hunter Safety Course is now available online. Visit huntercourse.com to register. And the Roland 4-H Museum is now open for the summer. Hours are 1 to 4 p.m. Monday to Friday. Continuing with the Manitoba Farm Journal here on this Thursday afternoon. Today we continue our conversation with Dairy Farmers of Canada Vice President David Weens, who joined us yesterday to talk about the implications of the new Kuzma deal. David, talk a bit about the uh, the timing of the uh, implementation and, and the impact that will uh, have. Right, and so with the timing of the um, of this agreement, uh, it was, you know, uh, the way the agreement has been structured is that, um, you know, when I talked about the, the limit on, on exports, it was going to be phased in over two years that the industry had time to adjust uh, to that uh, that reduction in exports. And so, in fact, uh, and that was based on our dairy year, which is August 1st to July 31st. So we encourage our government to ensure that the, tre- that the, the agreement not be ratified so that it 
it, it would not come into be you know we want it ratified so it would be coming into effect on August 1st and uh, they uh, went ahead and and uh, ratified the agreement before us and Mexico at that time they assured us that that the other countries wouldn't be there on time and that it wouldn't go in effect till August 1st however Mexico and the U.S. very quickly followed suit after that, and so now it's coming into effect July 1st. So that basically means that in addition to uh, the losses that we would have as a result of this agreement, uh, there's another $100 million loss, which is experienced by the industry now, as a result of that first year is actually going to only be one month long. And so uh, there's not been an opportunity to... Uh, to readjust uh, to this new reality, and so it's it's gonna, it was a significant hit for our industry. Anything else that um, you would like to highlight? Yeah, what I'd like to say is that you know uh, Canada has some of the highest standards in the world for quality and safety of our dairy products, and the way that milk is produced on our farms. Uh, so these uh, uh, foreign products uh, do not need to follow the same standards uh, uh, that we, like the, the, the on-farm uh, production standards that we have here in Canada. So uh, the challenge is going to be that, for example, uh, where this uh, uh, production hormone, uh, RBST, is used on cows, it's banned for use in Canada. Uh, because Canada has considers that an animal health issue, it's... Uh, uh, they will not restrict American uh, products coming across the border that that will have been uh, uh, produced by you know cows being given this hormone. So that's a bit of a, a concern. We know that Canadian consumers are concerned about what what goes into the production of food. So um, certainly, uh, it's you know uh, the, uh, a Canadian dairy product will uh, not uh, have those. Uh, carry those uh, hormones because uh, that, uh, you know, is banned for use in Canada. But that's one, uh, certainly uh, uh, Canadian consumers will have to look diligently for, uh, you know, the Canadian dairy brand on their products if they want to ensure that they can, that they will receive uh, Canadian dairy products with all that it, that it represents. That was David Weens, Vice President of Dairy Farmers of Canada. Another look at what's happening in the markets heading into the close is coming up in just a moment. Time now for another look at today's farm news. Dairy Farmers of Canada says the Canada-U.S.-Mexico agreement, which came into effect July 1st, will cost Canadian dairy farmers $330 million in revenue. Vice President David Weens talked about another negative aspect gave the U.S. oversight, which the clause in the agreement gives the U.S. the ability to intervene in any kind of administrative changes that we would make to our domestic uh, system. Obviously, the U.S. will be uh, interested in that uh, to ensure that they are aware of everything that we do and and ultimately they would have a say as to whether uh, these things could be enacted or not. Ween says the Canadian government gave up 3.9% domestic market access in the deal to the U.S. And last month, G3 announced the opening of two new elevators in Alberta. Brett Malkowski is the company's vice president of business development. You're starting to see that that vision, that coast-to-coast vision that G3 has really come to life here with obviously with Vancouver, but the Alberta facilities, and we still have five additional facilities under construction. Really excited that we're getting close to um, 
to completing all of those construction activities. Yesterday, G3 also announced the opening of its new grain export terminal at the Port of Vancouver. I'll be back after this to wrap up today's program. We've come to the end of another Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us by email thefarmdesk at goldenwestradio.com. Today's closing numbers with more in-depth commentary on what's happening in the markets is coming up at 10 to 2 on the Markets Farm Program. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. Hope you can join us back here tomorrow starting at 12 noon.